What's happening, Unknown Packers fans? It's been a while since I rapped at you, but it's Valentine's Day. And you know what that means. Got to profess our love for the Green Bay Packers. So I thought I'd get on here, record a little bit of what I love about the Green Bay Packers, not only now, but in the future, in the past, and definitely the present. A little housekeeping out of the way. If you're paying attention to the Unknown Packers podcast, you know we are approaching our two-year anniversary, which means we are going to celebrate... And we are going to celebrate like the Unknown Packers podcast celebrates, which is with a lovely, massive shindig over at the Black Husky Brewery in the Riverwest neighborhood, 909 East Locust Street, on Saturday, March 2nd. It will be from 3 p.m. till 10 p.m., maybe later if they let us close the place down, as we usually do. There will be a beer tapping of the Unknown Packers podcast Pale Ale, promptly at 3 p.m., get things kicked off, followed by a live session with Bryce Christensen and myself, Jeremiah Wayman, where we will have a few special guests. We'll have some glassware on site that you can buy and show off to your friends. But most importantly, put that on your calendar, March 2nd, UPP, two-year anniversary. But enough of that. Let's get into Valentine's Day on tap. This is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Valentine's Day on tap, and you are hanging out with Jeremiah Wayman of the Unknown Packers podcast. Be sure to follow me at MKE Wayman on Twitter. Check out the Unknown Packers podcast on Facebook, on Twitter, at Unknown Packers. Also, be sure to check out my brother from another mother, Bryce Christensen, on Twitter, at Unknown underscore Bryce. And um, like I said in the intro, you know, Valentine's Day... We're all with our significant others. Uh, mine's coming home from work, so you might, you know, you wonder why I'm sitting here, sitting here alone, recording a podcast episode. <laughs> okay, no, uh, I'll be okay, guys. But um, wife's on the way home. Got some dinner ready to go for, her, so we'll be all set. But I just wanted to, you know, throw something out there and say, hey, what, you know, what do I love about the Green Bay Packers currently? You know, past, present, future, and right away, you know, I got to get into. I love the fact that the Packers finally uh, got rid of Mike McCarthy. Um, I mean, if you know me, if you've met me in person, if you've ever watched a game with me for the past, I'd say since 2014, maybe even a little bit before that, you know that my disdain for Mike McCarthy has is deep-seated roots. And myself and Bryce, as, as the Unknown Packers podcast, had been calling for the kind of overall clean slate uh, for the Packers front office and uh, the coaching staff, actually beginning of last season when they almost cleaned house, but you know kept McCarthy on. That's all in the past, and now he is gone. And um, you know, checking his checking his status, see what he wants to do for the next year. But um, I'm just happy that he's not with the Packers. I you know whether whatever you want to say about it, whether just his time has come and uh, you know, got stale, the relationship with Aaron Rodgers, whatever have you. I, I just am glad that, you know, we turned the page, we're moving on, we're, we're starting fresh. And with that said, uh, we move, you know, I want to move right into, uh, 
I I actually have I'm growing to love the Packers hire of Matt Lafleur. Um, you know, I think I'm still a little I am not disappointed, but just wondering why not Josh McDaniels. Uh, I think you know you watched the Super Bowl or not maybe not the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is pretty uh, lackluster itself, but. You know, you watch the AFC, AFC Championship game, you saw, you see the offense of the Patriots, and you just wonder, like, how is that guy? Uh, obviously, he's you know screwed a people, couple people over, but um, you know what? What did he do wrong for the Packers in their interview process? But with that said, I, I think you know Matt Lafleur. I think he's got the the things that we want out of a head coach. He's a, you know uh, up and coming offensive mind. I think the the fact that he did take that job last year in Tennessee, not the most glamorous job in the world. And I think he did well, considering especially the fact, you know, imagine this, you take a job as a, as a fresh head coach or offensive coordinator, sorry, your first time calling plays and, you know, week one or before week one, you lose your starting tight end, who's probably one of the top five tight ends in the league. Uh, throughout the entire season, you have to deal with um, Marcus Mariota being injured and starting Blaine Gabbert um, for, you know, a majority of half the season as your quarterback and kind of reformat your game plan on the fly. You know, I think you come into that job thinking you're going to do one thing and then have to kind of adjust completely your entire game plan, um, you know, throughout the season, which is why I think as the season rolls on, you see the reliance and kind of shift towards a Derrick Henry focused offense, which I think that that part of it really impressed me. And, you know, I think they obviously could have went, a lot of other routes as far as a coaching, a head coach in, in the candidates. Uh, I just want to throw out there, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a big uh, 105.7 The Fan listener and I'm um, driving to work this morning and they had on Michael Lombardi and I believe he is from The Athletic. Um, sorry if I got that wrong, but, you know, I think he was, he, he was saying he was disappointed in the hire, um, thought they could have done a better job. Which, fine, you know, disagree with it, whatever you want. But then he throws out Mike Shanahan, of all people. I mean, Mike Shanahan, if that's your best, just because if you're going to have Matt LaFleur, why not go to the top of the food chain and hire Mike Shanahan? What did what exactly did Mike Shanahan do at the end of his tenure in, in Washington? Uh, you know, completely crapped the bed in my mind. So I don't know how you bring up that name as a, as a viable candidate. And then it seemed that any other candidate he brought up um, just kept comparing it to Bill Belichick. Well, obviously, everybody wants to hire the next Bill Belichick. And the problem is there is no next Bill Belichick. That's like saying back in the 60s, everybody wants to hire the next Vince Lombardi. You know, Bill Belichick probably will go down as the best NFL coach in history. Um, You know, sorry to say that as a Packers fan, obviously, and Vince Lombardi in our history, in our, you know, the annals of Packer lore. But... You can't argue against that, and to say, well, you know, we got to hire this type of guy because that's what Bill Belichick is. That's ridiculous. I mean, I know it's a copycat league, but if you're going to try and just imitate Bill Belichick for the next, you know, how many coaching searches you have, I'm sorry, you're going to be disappointed every single time. Anyway, not to be a downer on this, but <laughs> sorry, I got a little tangent there. But also, on a positive note, what else do I love about the Packers? Uh, like I said, this year, past, present, future. I love our, our running back situation. You know, I mentioned Matt LaFleur and what he did with Derrick Henry in Tennessee. I'm really excited to see what he does and what Aaron Jones and what Jamal Williams and 
possibly what you know running back number three can do in this Lafleur Hackett system. Um, I think you know we all clamored for more usage out of Aaron Jones last year, which didn't really come until later on in the year when uh, you know, the, pretty much it was too late, a little too too little too late there. And so to see what that is going to look like, you know, I love the fact that he's on our team. I love the fact of, I love just love what he can do with the ball in his hands. And let's stay on the offense. I, I love the season that Devontae Adams had, almost record-breaking on multiple levels. And that was with a bad, bad offensive year that got Mike McCarthy fired. I mean, think about that. The fact that he put up the numbers that he did, and Aaron Rodgers with an off year, even though he had, what, 26 touchdowns, two picks. Um, and then, you know, the inconsistencies of the offense the entire year. And to see, you know, double-digit touchdowns, over 1,000 yards, um, I think over 100 catches. That's just, my, that's, just, that's just amazing. I think that completely entrenched Devontae as one of the top, easily in the top five category uh, wide receiver conversation for sure. Now you're talking about wide receivers and what you, you know, obviously love Devante. And I'll, you know, I'm I'm loving the uh kind of optimism and look for the second year jump out of MVS and Equinemius. Uh I think they both showed flashes uh, during the year of what they can bring to the table, whether that's speed, size, combination, a little bit of both. I think it's I think it's gonna be a great year, which is why I'm not getting on the boat. I'm not, you know, eating the, drinking the Kool-Aid of, you know, we got to jump in. We got to trade for Antonio Brown. I, I, you know, he's towards the end of his career. He's by the end of that contract, he'd be 33, making 12 and a half million. I don't like it. Uh, we'd have to give up a, probably a fourth rounder, if not higher as some things I read today. So I'm fine rolling the dice with our young guys. See what happens. See See what they can do. I do like the idea of you know drafting a, another guy, a slot-specific guy, maybe somebody who can uh, add a little spice to the return game. Obviously, if you've listened to uh, any of our podcasts prior to this, talking about the Senior Bowl, you know we're both very high on Andy Isabella. Uh, also, I like Greg Dorsch. Another guy is uh, Tony Pollard out of Memphis. Wide receivers slash running back slash kick returner slash just, you know, jack-of-all-trades type guys. And now talking about the draft, I love the fact, love the fact that we are looking at the possibility or, you know, as of right now, barring any trades up or down or out of the first round, we got two first round picks, guys. And that's, um, you know, thanks to Gutekunst wheeling and dealing last year, moving up, moving down, moving back, you know, whatever, uh, getting that. So we'll have that 12th pick, we'll have that 30th pick. And I'm just really interested to see what what he does. Obviously, last year we were all surprised with moving up or you know moving back and then moving back into the spot to grab Jair, who they you know apparently liked all along. So I'm really interested to see. I, I think you know do we move up from 12? Do we move back from 12? Do we then uh, you know if we stay at 12, do we try to move up from 30 and package some picks? So I'm I'm, I'm loving the fact that we have that option. I think you know. Obviously, Gutekunst, he hit on some, I think, a decent amount of guys last in last year's draft. But, uh, you know, I think we're hoping for, out of this year's draft, I'm sure every fan or GM hopes for this, but, 
is what you know what we saw out of the Colts draft last year, and then all you know the prior year what the Saints were able to do with hitting on. I think I want to say the Saints hit on. I want to say two to three guys, maybe even four that turned out to be viable um, contributors throughout the season. And off the top of my head, I know Bryce was going to dive into this possibly uh, in another episode. But the Colts, I mean, geez, the the quantity and quality of players that they hit on and the amount of them that were huge contributors uh, last year, you know, specifically Darius Leonard and, um, and Quentin Nelson, their first-round choice. Those are, you know, the two biggest names that jump out to me, but... And then you look at the Saints from the year prior. You had uh, obviously Alvin Kamara in that third round, I believe. Then they also were able to pick up uh, Marshawn Lattimore, of course. Uh, big, I think he got Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year. Can't remember exactly. Um, then they also had Marcus Williams, who uh, turned out to be a pretty big contributor. And so to hit on those guys. Oh, and don't forget Ryan Ramchek. They picked up at uh, the tackle spot. So, you know, if... With these first-round picks that I love, um, it'll be interesting to see um, what and if, if Goody can kind of have that type of impact with this year's draft. Now, going from the draft, and I want to hit on free agency just a touch. And the thing I like, or should I say the thing I love this year about free agency is right now I think there's some guys out there that can help us at some needed positions. And I think uh, Shaq Barrett is a guy I like out there at the free agent at, at edge rusher. I think a guy who can be, you know, he's been a backup, hasn't hasn't really gotten his shot in Denver. But I think with the uh, people he has in front of him in Denver, I think it's time for him to move on and kind of make a name for himself. And I think with that with that in mind, I think the price tag would be just right for the Packers to, to pounce on it. I think you could get him in that seven to eight million a year range. So a guy like that, I think you know you kick the tires and you see what Brandon Graham is looking for, what he's looking at. Uh, I know he's a little older, but you know he's a veteran guy. He's got you know a Super Bowl underneath his belt from two years prior. Um, shows up to play is just a just a tenacious defender against the run and and, and a pass rusher. So I think you look at a guy like that. I think a guy that I would love absolutely is Frank Clark out of Seattle, but I'm pretty sure he will probably most likely get franchise tagged, so that will take him out of the running for the Packers. But, you know, specifically at edge there, I, I like there's some positions, there's some guys out there that could be had or could be of interest to the Packers. Uh, also another need, a position of need for the Packers is safety for sure. And just did a radio show with uh, downtown Ali Burroughs, for uh, ESPN Radio up in Wausau. Actually, while I was recording, had to pause a little bit. If you, anybody heard a little ringing, that was him calling. But, you know, we talked about the, the safety position and the safety free agency class. And pretty much, you know, the guys, top two guys that I think are on everybody's list are Earl Thomas and Landon Collins. I'm not really, not that I dislike them um, entirely, but I'm shying away from both of those guys. I think they're going to demand, you know, top safety money or want that kind of money. I just don't see it, especially paying for a guy, Earl Thomas, who <clears throat> has ended the past two years uh, with pretty meaningful injuries, you know. And then Landon Collins, I think mostly him is just the price tag. I'm shying away from that. But I think there are guys. There's Tyron, you know, Tyron Matthews out there. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner is out there from the Rams. I think guys like that you could 
could be a huge upgrade. Um, and I think that says two things. I think that says, obviously, our safety position was horrible last year, but I also, you know, the quality of those two players, um, especially, I really like Tyron Matthew as, as a ball hawking type safety for a, a defense that, I mean, we are, I think our interceptions were just got awful last year as a defense. I, I can't remember exactly what they were on to say, three or something, just something ridiculously low. So I think a, a guy like that immediately upgrades that part of your defense. And so as far as free agency, I think that's, you know, the, the two positions that I'm really focusing on. But, you know, I also got into this episode saying past, future, present. You know, I I love the fact that Packers fans as a whole, you know, we're I think we're pretty passionate and pretty stupid sometimes. But for the most part, I think we're 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 pretty intelligent. We're we love our team. We 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 back our team uh, sometimes blindly, and uh, you know I think we joke a lot about you know having the green and gold goggles on, and maybe we'll you know get blinded a little bit by moves or some things that we do or shouldn't do, and just buy in immediately. But hey, that's that's what it that's what it is sometimes to be a Packers fan, and I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I love the fact that I was able to grow up a Packers fan, was able to, you know, witness and watch the, you know, their Super Bowl in 96 with, with Favre and Andre Risen and Desmond Howard and Reggie White and to, to Leroy Butler, you know, to, to be a part and, or to, not to be a part of, but to be alive, to be able to witness that game. I know, I think a lot of us at the time were kind of surprised that that didn't turn into more uh, Super Bowls, more just, you know, winning winning ways. And I think that was, uh, I think I posted that on Twitter uh, a couple of weeks ago, was one of the biggest what-ifs of Packers history, I think, is what what if, you know, Mike Holmgren never left um, and went to Seattle to kind of be, become the GM and head coach? What if he stays around and just, just bides his time until Ron Wolf then inevitably did, you know, pass the torch onto Mike Sherman of all people? But what if, you know, what if Mike Holmgren stays around and gets the torch passed to him? Um, I think, you know, Packers history is completely different, whether, you know, that kind of moves all the way till present day. But I think it would have definitely had a ripple effect, um, not only in Packers land, but throughout the league. I think, uh, you know, who knows if Seattle ends up having the resurgence that they did uh, without Mike Holmgren there. And then without then, you know, Ted Thompson and John Schneider and the, kind of rest of the Green Bay Packers, um, what I guess turned out to be Green Bay Packers West. Again, a, a lot of what-ifs there you could play with, but just, you know, love the fact that I was able to witness that Super Bowl. I think, you know, I was, I was say 12 at the 14 at the time, so really was of the age where you really understood the game more. Um, you know, I wasn't a, you know, eight, six, seven, eight-year-old really, you know, watching a game, really have no idea what the heck is going on. Talking about that team, you know, things I love, love the Roy Butler, loved him. It was my favorite player all the time or growing up, uh, had his Jersey, I think from the day I was 12 and still have that same Jersey. And I would love the fact as I think all of us Packer fans would, if the freaking hall of fame would just let that guy in. Uh, it's un- unbelievable that, you know, guys like John Lynch and Steve Atwater and, um, you know, some of these other guys are getting sniffs and Leroy's not even making it to the final vote count I mean it's just ridiculous I, I, I just don't understand it anymore but Leroy Packers fans nation Packers nation we love you and you deserve to be in there and last but not least you know Packers 
Packers fans all around. You know, we we watch games as with you know with friends, with family, and I uh, I just love the fact that I married a woman who loves the Packers and maybe as it gets as frustrated with the Packers, definitely with Mike McCarthy as much as I did, and you know love that we can do that together as a family and now you know with a almost 18 month old child uh, we'll be able to do that going forward for the rest of our lives thanks for listening again just wanted to get on here rant a little bit about what you know what I'm loving these days about our Packers what I love kind of going forward in the next season and happy Valentine's Day to you all hope you have a good one hope you enjoy it with some family some friends some loved ones, some people at a bar, some whoever, you know, that makes you happy. Just do what you got to do and keep listening to the Unknown Packers podcast. Pay attention to the website, theunknownpackers.com. We'll have updates and articles posted on there, and we also will keep you updated for sure on our anniversary party March 2nd at Black Husky Brewery uh, in the River West neighborhood of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Once again, thanks for tuning in. I'm Jeremiah Wayman, and this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Love and happiness. But wait a minute, something's going wrong. Someone's on the phone. Three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Talking about how she can make it right. This is when you really feel good about somebody. There's nothing wrong being in love with someone. Yeah. Oh, baby. Love that happened. I'll be good.